you guys, it's Daisha. Did you know that April is Guitar Month? Well, it is. In honor of that, we're going to bring back this episode with one of our favorite classical classroom guests and an amazing guitarist, Valerie Hartzell. Right now, Valerie is en route to Taipei where she'll be participating in an arts festival at the Taipei American School. Good luck with that, Val. Uh, in this episode, she's going to teach us all about the ladies of classical guitar. Also, playing this episode with Valerie gives me an excuse to play this old song by a material issue that you hear playing underneath us. I still really love this song. Not only because it's guitar, but they also say, and we love her too. Enjoy the episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to rate and review the show. There's a rumor going around that classical music can be hoity-toity. But here in the classical classroom, we beg to differ. Beethoven 5. <laughs> the idea that classical music is a zone where we have to feel restricted or we have to act in a certain way, you know, that's not going to be helpful going forward. <laughs> Isaiah is shaking with excitement oh, here. I mean, there's just so many great parts of the opera. He asked me to play his favorite spot in the first moon of the Brahms. And then he said, I started using those licks in my guitar solos. How to be classical music rock stars because there's not enough of that in this business. Occasionally I would plug in the mandolin to my distortion pedals. <laughs> I don't change my voice. <laughs> Talking to classical music. I'm playing classical music now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the same 12 notes. That's what's so cool about it. I'm Daisha Clay, a classical music newbie, and I'm trying to learn all I can about the music. Come learn with me and the classical music experts I invite into the classical classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and here with me today for a second time in the classroom is classical guitarist Valerie Hartzell. Valerie started playing guitar at the age of three and formally studying at the age of six. She later studied at the Peabody Conservatory and, the, and Radford University. She's performed all over Europe, Canada, and the U.S., Valerie is creator and director of the Classical Minds Guitar Institute and Competition. Uh, she's currently recording a new CD with producer Todd here in the Geary studio. So we kidnapped her <laughs> to be on the Classical Classroom with us. Valerie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for kidnapping me. <laughs> I'm glad to be here a second time. We're really nice kidnappers. <laughs> you very nice. Syndrome. <laughs> no harm done. <laughs> so what are you going to be teaching me about today? Well, um, a couple of things. I think we're going to focus last time we were on the show, we discussed uh, women and guitar just a tiny bit yeah. in the overlay of the classical guitar history. And it was just, we mentioned it in the 19th century as being an educational tool. Right. And, um, and that was basically it for that. So I thought today we could focus on the role of uh, classical guitar um, and how it used to be one of the most popular instruments for women's education mm -hmm. and how it fell out of favor. Uh -huh. And then became a very um, dominated instrument in the, um, I would say, uh, men world. Yeah, um, in the man world. In the man world. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we've got fewer women playing today right. than we did a hundred years ago. Yeah, over a hundred years ago. I'd say 150 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and interesting, too. So, and I think, too, we were going to talk about a few 
Yes. Lady luminaries in the classical guitar world. Some specific women who have paved the path along with everybody else. And and one thing I like to do also is to talk about how women in guitar are no different than men in guitar. It's just we are guitarists. Yeah. What I'd like to do is Mm -hmm. to... Go back in mm-hmm. our time machine yes. to long, long ago. A Doctor Who moment. When <laughs> Go back in the TARDIS. <laughs> to when this wasn't the case for women yes. in guitar. Yes. It was not uncommon for women to play guitar. Yes. So let's start there. What, what was going on? What's the time period? <clears throat> so it would be before the 1850s. Um, so you would say early 19th century. You have an influx, I guess you could say, of the middle class, where people are starting to become the bourgeois. You Mm had, of course, you had the church, and then you had the aristocrats that dominated the arts. And um, and so say you're a bourgeois and you happen to be a merchant, and now your children, say you yourself were not well educated, it's important to you now that your children get the best education possible. Right. And both the, the boys and the girls would be educated in arts, music, and dance. And so for the, for the girls, one of the popular instruments they had and they could afford was the classical guitar. Mm-hmm. And that became not only a solo instrument for them, but accompanying themselves with songs. Mm-hmm. So they would sing and play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have parlor events where you know, people would come in, family and friends, and uh, the girls would come out with their guitars, and either they would play with other guitarists, or they would play solo, or they would uh, get everybody to sing songs while they played the guitar. It was a, uh, it's obviously an instrument that can, can move around quite a bit. You can go places, you can bring it with you. Right. So, and, it, and that was your educational tool. Mm-hmm. However, in the 19th century, it was not common for women to go on stage. It was not accepted for women to perform in any field. So so at this point in the classical guitar land, it was, it was acceptable for, for girls mm-hmm. and young women to play the guitar in their homes, to right. play small recitals. Informal recitals, nothing, nothing formal right. where they're a star. Or So ladies at this time, they're, they're playing guitar like crazy, mm-hmm. but kind of if they want to go bigger with it, if, right. they, if they really want to make a career out of it, it's kind of not there for them. So the, well, the, yeah. Because it wasn't part of society at the yeah. point. I mean, yes. like, are there any ladies that you could, you could find? From that, that time, no, okay. nothing. All right. Isn't it sad? Well, what kind of music were... These women playing. Oh, at home. oh gosh, they were playing um, the the hot composers of the time, I and mean, that's what's the wonderful yeah. thing about the printing press. Once the printing press was was invented in the 16th century, then then people want music printed. They want themselves and the homes to be able to play it. Yeah. So they could actually buy and have access to published music, say right. Giuliani and uh, Lignani, and they all kind of rhyme, Rigondi, mm-hmm. the Italian school, and you have Fernando Sor from Spain who uh, toured all over the place. I mean, Sor went to Russia, he ended up in France, and they would perform in halls with, it was, it was a, like I think I mentioned this in the last show, it was a, a variety show mm-hmm. where you would have a pianist perform, a guitarist, and you'd have maybe a small ensembles, you know, chamber music. So it would be a variety show, maybe even a, a voice and piano or, or maybe an orchestra playing. So it, it wasn't like today where you go see an orchestra concert or an opera concert and you, you go see a full guitar uh, recital. They did exist, but most of the time it was variety shows, which is which is really fun, like the Johnny Carson show. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was popular. And yeah. so think about it. You have something in the halls 
people are listening to it. It's like media. This is this is 19th century media. Yeah. You know, you don't have Twitter, you don't have YouTube. So how do you get to listen to people? How do you know what's out there? What's the in thing? Mm-hmm. Is if you if you could afford it, you would go to the concerts. And and the better way to be educated about all the instruments was to have these variety shows. Well, then guitarists, what they did is the composers became, uh, there was a few, like Yobet and Tariga, who became very shy, they're more introverted composers, didn't really enjoy performing on the big stage. They much prefer, you know, more relaxed salon concert type things where it was more private. Uh-huh. And one of these composers who wrote a lot, it was a prolific composer, was Francisco Tariga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francisco, Francisco Tariga, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and, Which is... For for those of you out there who don't understand this lovely accent and the way that I did in the first time around, I thought you were saying Tadaga, and then I looked it up and realized it was T A R R E G A, and there's I, an accent on the A. So yeah, I think I even tried to Google search Tadaga, and I was like, "This this person does not exist, Valerie. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and people have corrected me. They they said Tarega. Uh, as if there's an Tarrega, as if there's an accent on the E, but there's no accent it's on the A, so it's Tarrega. I don't want to even Spanish, I'm French, so my R rolling is pretty bad. So I want to yeah, say on the back of the throat, Tarrega. So so basically these these guys, these luminaries, right. they were shy guitarists. <laughs> they were shy guitarists. <laughs> well, and, and think about Tarrega, Tarrega. The problem with Tarrega is he also couldn't see very well. So I don't know if that contributed. Oh. He wasn't fully blind, but he had been, supposedly there was an accident where he fell uh, and one of the mean nanny pushed him. And yeah, he's been misbehaving and he pushed him. And I think there was some kind of water that was polluted and it got into his eyes and uh, he couldn't see. So I don't know if that contributed to his shyness at all. We had absolutely nothing to do with it. Or if he just was shy. Chopin was was very shy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I don't know if that was just him. Yeah. You know, the classical guitar back then didn't look like our guitars now. Mm-hmm. They were smaller. They didn't have as much power. They didn't have much presence as they do now. Okay. So possibility also was that they just didn't feel like they could fill out the halls as well. Yeah. So that's, that's an issue. No microphones. We can't do this. We we're can't. <laughs> Amplifiers have not been invented yet. <laughs> and so we have to stop. <laughs> so we're going to be in someone's home. And, and I think salon concerts have their place. They're very interesting and they bring an intimacy to an otherwise uh, when you're in an audience you are very distanced from the performer so it is neat to have a salon concert because you really get to watch their hands up close yeah you know like on a YouTube you can watch their hands and then they'll they'll, they'll, they'll take the camera and they'll go really focus closely on the hands yeah um, but of course you can't do that in the hall in a big hall you're so far away even in a smaller hall you still can't get that close mm-hmm. so salon concerts do have their spot but unfortunately guess what when you have a select few people that know Tarega and they would go to his homes, you don't reach the broader people. Right. It starts to get less and less popular. So and it's then, basically sort of a survival of the fittest thing was going right. on. They were they were sort of slowly uh, dying off from the from the social right. sphere. Like right. they were social sort of, media. Yeah. So the social <laughs> media at the time was not a very um, What's the word that I'm looking for? It wasn't very amenable to their yes, particular needs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but so, for the meantime, I like to play maybe if that's okay a Tadaga w- piece. Oh, I'd love to hear it. So, if yeah. you were in the 19th century, say you were at the end of the 19th century, and you want to go see a guitarist, and you're in Spain, you would get to see Francisco Tadaga or Francisco Tarriga, <laughs> as I might say. <laughs> Um, 
but he was a pianist, by the way. He was a pianist yeah. and a guitarist, yes. And uh, it, it, he was encouraged to go study piano in, in Madrid mm-hmm. and composition. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, the, the teachers there said, you know, um, maybe you should go do guitar. <laughs> and I don't know why they said that, but they, I, I think they're very impressed with his guitar playing. I don't think it was a derogatory statement towards yeah. piano skills, but I think they were just, uh, there wasn't that much in composition for a classical guitar. And I think they encouraged him to go that direction. I see. Okay. And so he did. And that's, and that's why we have pieces that are characteristic type pieces like polonaise and um, um, polkas and mazurkas. Uh-huh. He would have been influenced, of course, by the great Frédéric Chopin. Um, that's who he would have heard probably studied as a pianist. Yeah. So that's, kind of, that's his influence is gotcha. from the piano repertoire, which is kind of interesting. That is cool. That's neat. And since I'm talking about women in guitar, I'm going to play a, a woman okay. piece. And her name is Rosita. It was one of his daughters. Okay. That was lovely. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very cute piece. And um, yeah. it, it's just funny that he had all these daughters named Maria. Uh-huh. And so he had to nickname them all. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so this is one of the short, shorter character pieces that he wrote. Nice. Yeah. I like that. So you would have heard this in a nice, intimate um, evening concert at someone's house. So this, he was playing, tell us again when he lived, uh, Tarika? Tarika? Uh, he would have been at the end of the 19th century into the early part of the 20th century. So okay. before Segovia. Hello, everyone. I'm taking a break from my chat with Valerie Hartzell to talk about an important issue that plagues us all. Underfunded podcasts. It's a problem that concerns many podcast makers, but especially the ones who make classical music podcasts. And if you're concerned about underfunded classical music podcasts, and you should be, get involved. Go to classicalclassroomshow.com and find the tip jar button at the top of the screen. Then give a one-time or recurring gift and the amount that eases your conscience the best. And while you're there, enjoy the wonder that is our website. 
our friends at Knew Why I Made It, and they can make a website for you too. They can also help you promote your business. Check them out at classicalclassroomshow.com slash NW, that's N as in new and W as in Y. And now back to my conversation with Valerie Hartzell. So, so guitar in general at that point had sort of fallen out of the public right. view. It's yes. become less popular. Right. So where do we go from there after? Um, after? Well, I think from there we, we continue our travels in Spain. Um, and we have the young Andre Segovia uh-huh. from Spain who really became... One of his missions was, and it was, his parents were really against him, his father in particular, not want him to be a guitarist. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was at this point in time, the guitar was a street instrument in Spain. Um, and uh, I don't know anything about flamenco guitar, but I'm hoping one day you'll have some flamenco classroom discussions. But, oh, yeah. but you know, because it, that's, that's the music, that's a very popular music of Spain still today, of course, it's growing and growing. But I think there were some stereotypes of what, street music it was and mm-hmm. guitar would have been considered street music in the beginning of the 20th century okay. and Segovia was, was saying well no it's not it's just that these composers really aren't pushing the instruments in the hall mm-hmm. and we need bigger better instruments and Torres was one of the it's the model it is most of our classic guitars today are based off the Torres model huh. which is the fan bracing system inside the instrument so Segovia's demands were a bigger better instrument um, going in the concert halls with these bigger, better instruments, mm-hmm. uh, getting composers to our side because you know, there was a lack of, of composer writing for the classical guitar. Uh, and lastly, education. How do you get people to respect your instrument? Well, you need to have mm-hmm. it in the schools. Right. Yeah. If it's not yeah. being taught in the in the schools alongside of the other, other instruments, instruments that are yes. well respected, then right. it's not sort of garnering attention exactly. and a name for itself. And exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something we're going to talk about today, about how one of my, ch- I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about my challenge now. Is that okay? Referring you can to talk today? about it whenever you like. <laughs> okay. You're my teacher, so <laughs> oh, I, I respect your authority. <laughs> authority, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like to challenge, and this is something I want to mention that is becoming better and better, um, is education and that being a powerful tool in the respect of our own instrument. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are working very, very hard in Houston and Austin and really all over the United States. Think about it this way. You go to school, you're in high school maybe, and, or even middle school, and you pick an instrument. One of the most popular things in Texas is marching bands. Yeah. Why? Because they go with football. Right. right. So naturally, you say, oh, well, I want to play the clarinet or the flute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what if you don't have any other option? That's a problem. How do you get into guitar if there is no guitar program? To get into. Um, but there <laughs> yeah. are many schools in Houston that have, not, not enough, but there, there are beginning to have some really good schools in Houston with the guitar programs. And yes. one of note for high school is the Bel Air High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ed- Edward Grigacy and Mark Morney, we need to take our hats off to these guys because they have a well-established school right now. And they've got, I think, last time I heard that, something like a couple hundred students oh, that's in great. guitar classes. Nice. There were boys and girls between the ages of, I would say, as young as 14 and as, as old as 18 mm-hmm. and the program. But we can do better than that. It needs to go in the elementary schools. Yeah. Because you see kids... Children, they're not biased. They don't. They don't understand what's cool, what's not cool. They don't mm-hmm. have. They don't have opinions yet when they're six, mm-hmm. seven, eight. I don't know. I was a really cool six-year-old. 
thought I was, at least. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Please continue. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but no, you're right. You're right. Like little kids kind of don't have these preconceived notions no, of like what's what's the cool instrument to play right. and what's not, which is why Todd started playing trombone. <laughs> he didn't know any better. <laughs> that's why we can rag on the engineer he can't say anything (laughs) he's on the other side of the wall (laughs) until he cuts the microphones yeah no he does have a lot of power actually we should be be careful um (laughs) yes that too um i want to get back to segovia so Mm -hmm. segovia comes up and says we've got to make these instruments bigger yes and and we, you know, so that they can compete in the halls. Right. And then he also had some influence on getting uh, yes. the programs established in, in, in schools, the schools as well, and things yes. like that. So classical guitar starts to make a comeback. Yes. And and where do the ladies fall into Well, this? here it is. Um, the the first person I'm going to talk to you about is, uh, a f- her name is Ida Presti. Mm-hmm. Segovia heard her play. And this is when it brings in, brings it in. And Segovia had been had an illustrious career by the time he heard her play. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he basically says, you'll never need to learn anything from anyone else after he hears her play. He basically says, this is it. You, you've got it all. He was highly impressed by her mm-hmm. as a solo artist because, remember, this was a new thing for women to be touring as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. And um, she liked apparently to play jokes on people, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Nothing light about Ida Presti. <laughs> apparently, she was a jokester. <laughs> she That's liked to awesome. play practical jokes on her students, which which I love to do, too. And uh, apparently on her husband, Alexandre Lagoya. That's so, okay, so then I just want to mention just, just real quick here about about – I don't know why, but it seems like a lot of the people I was I was doing a little research on seem to come from the French school, mm-hmm. um, and and I, and, I, and it's not biased. I mean, because obviously I'm French, so my heritage is from the French school, uh-huh. and uh, I did study with Alexandre Lagoya, which is her husband. She taught him. Really? Yes, she taught him that all. Nice. Like, when they say that right hand technique, they say the Lagoya technique. Mm-hmm. No, it's not the Lagoya technique. It's the Ida Presti technique, that was then taught to Lagoya. And, and unfortunately, nobody plays like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Nobody uses this right-hand technique. And um, What is this uh, right-hand technique that you speak of? <laughs> okay, right. I, I should probably specify. Okay, well, the right hand is the one that controls the sound. The, our right hand is the one that creates the pitch. The yeah. left hand is the one when you put the finger down. Yeah. If, if Right now, I have a finger down on my left hand. Mm-hmm. But you can't hear anything, can you? No, I cannot. <laughs> because my right hand is the one that creates the sound. Right. And so you can play like this. Does that sound pretty? No. No, not so much, right? Does that sound pretty? Sounds better. Yeah, much better. Yeah. So our right hand controls the tone of the note that my left hand is is now placing. By the way, it's a G, in case you're curious. So your, your left hand is on the fretboard, right. pressing down the strings. Your right, right hand, hand is is over the uh, round holy thing. Yes. Plucking. Yes. It's which has a technical hole. name, I'm sure. It's got a rosette. A rosette. It's a, it's or a, rosette. a round holy thing. It's a round, round holy thingy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the rosette. And your sound box is between the rosette or the sound holy thingy and the, the bridge. And the bridge. And, 
And so usually you want to keep it around the rosette area because okay. that's where the, okay. we call the sweet spot of the instrument, mm-hmm. which is your loud area. Yeah. Um, and the philosophy of where and how you keep your hand in that area will create an ugly tone or a pretty tone. I see. A strong tone or a weak tone. Gotcha. So this would be strong. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if I want something ugly... Yeah. Not so pretty, right? Yeah. So classic guitar is actually, it's a difficult instrument to play because your right hand does a lot, and your right it's very right hand intensive. Um, it, all the control, all the tone, the power comes from that one hand. And there's been okay. battles among, for the 19th century, there's a battle of nail or no nail. Right. Uh, and nail one, because that's our pick. That's our plectrum. And then there's discussions on how to create the nail, et cetera, et cetera, which I won't bore you with. But uh, if you want to know, I, I could give you a manicure after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but Ida Presti, she came up with a, a, a special yes. technique for using your right hand. Yes. Is that... Well, it, but what her idea was is we don't have a lot of muscles in our hands. It's mostly mm. it's mostly tendons and ligaments and all this other junk. So the muscles are in the back of your hand here, the stringy muscles in the back of your hand. Yeah. And then you have this big fat muscle right where the thumb is. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is when you when you take your hand, how can you create a lot of power and using the gravity to really push? So what she would do is she would take her hand, she would drop it near her hand to the side and shake it out, right? Then you would bend your arm up that it looks like you're, you're saying, I swear solemnly in the court, blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, right? And after you do that, so then you take your, your fingers on the first string, okay? Uh-huh. You put your thumb on the first string, you bring it closer and closer to the first string, and then you bring it back. So now I'm sitting more with a right angle. Uh-huh. You see this? I see, I see, yeah. yeah. It's more of a right angle here. Your hand is pointed down. Right. Yeah. And okay. that, and, and, and unfortunately for me to demonstrate would be almost impossible because I would need to shape my nails. Because uh. think about it, right now my nails are pointing the other direction, the left side of the nail. So that's why nail shape is important for yeah. classical guitar because right now that doesn't sound so good. But this is the idea is that the thumb, and I used to play this way, by the way. That's how I used to play. Mm-hmm. All my recordings from the, the 80s and early 90s was this way. You can actually get a lot of power. And there's a video of Alice Arts, and she discusses the right-hand technique of how to put your hand on the string and how it works. Cool. So if anybody's curious about how she does it, and Alice Arts um, was one of the premier students with Ida Presti. And so she really is one of the few people in the United States who kept that going. Okay. One last thing I, I want to mention about Presti is this quote that she said, and this to me sums up her feelings of guitar. And I'll read it first in French. Um, Je veux que ma vie soit simple et droite comme un roseau vide afin que Dieu puisse remplir, l'emplir de musique. Which means I want my life to be simple and right as one reed empties so that God may be able to fill it with music. Nice. So, yes. So I think that pretty much sums up how Presti felt about music, how important it was to her. Mm-hmm. She did over a thousand concerts with her husband, Alexandre Lagoya, mm-hmm. retired from the solo stage, and all the way up into the 50s, 60s, uh, 70s, records were made with, with the duo. Mm-hmm. And they have a massive repertoire that was created thanks to them for guitar ensemble. Nice. So, yeah, and there's the favorite piece is um, a duo by them that they arrange. I think that's I think that's one of the, the favorite recording for most people, is the Chacon by um, Frederick Handel.
So that's about Presti. Well, since Presti, we've had many women. We have uh, established women since since Presti, such as Leona Boyd, who also studied with Alexandre Lagoya and Ida Presti. Ako Ito, who's a Japanese teacher and niece, who studied with Ida Presti and Lagoya. And, of course, the American guitarist, Alice Arts, who was probably the closest to uh, Ida Presti and actually was there when uh, uh, on the phone with Lagoya when she passed away. Ida Presti passed away. Wow. So very, very close to them. Well, what happens after this with women in guitar? Well, we have Sharon Isbin. She became famous in that, that she's really, her career started, I would say, in the 70s when she started winning these competitions. Yeah. Uh, studied with Oscar Gilia, was the first person to start a program at Juilliard. That really helped wow. with, yeah, that, that's what I think one of the biggest programs in the United States, that I think that really helped guitar being taken seriously is yeah. there's a guitar program at Juilliard. Yeah. And it's thanks to Sharon Isbin. And one thing I would like to talk about, I think a, a part of our education is how to understand that an instrument is an instrument and the performer is the performer. That's not, this is a female performer, this is a male performer. And how do we go about that? Because right. how do we keep it from being a gendered yes. thing and simply right. see talent where talent is? Exactly. And, and, well said. And desire and passion. Right. Where, Where does that come things, from? Apart from what somebody's gender might be. What I want to feel is, look at how the guitar has evolved. Mm-hmm. Look how we've evolved and now it is an instrument popular no matter what race, what culture, what age, mm-hmm. what gender. And that's where I think the classical guitar needs to go to. Right. Is that we need to throw away uh, the idea of this, this instrument belongs to a certain category or a yeah. certain culture or a certain male versus female. And I think education is the tool to that. I I think that is probably true for many instruments. It's funny kind of what winds up becoming gendered. Yes. And, you know, what we've kind of unpacked a little bit of why mm-hmm. women sort of stopped playing the guitar. Right. And why it is that they they're still sort of in a minority. Right. And there are stories like that behind so many things. Yes. I'm glad to hear that it's making a comeback. Definitely. The idea of anybody being discouraged from doing something that they're passionate about. And sometimes I don't even think it's discouragement. I think it's more like... Lack of knowledge. Well, lack of knowledge and just sort of lack of exposure. Yes. How do you know it exists? Going, well, I don't know anybody else playing this instrument. Right. You know, how... People can't know to play something unless they've right. seen somebody else doing it. And I think that if you are seeing one group or another, if you're a dude, for example, right. who wants to play a female-dominated instrument, right. I'm sure that's very intimidating and yes. maybe you feel a little bit weird about right. pursuing that. Same right. for a woman, Same thing playing for a woman playing another a instrument. guitar. You know, right. It's like you, know, you walk into a master class full of yes. dudes and you feel a little bit intimidated. Out of place, yeah. I, I think that 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 can be discouraging. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that that's, that's well, getting changed and I, and education. I just want to mention um, something that um, is interesting and in, in my experience of noticing in master, when I go on tour and I, and I talk, I do master classes, I always ask, how long have you been playing? How did you start? I would say it's changing now, but it was for a while, it was 90 to 95% of the time that was usually men in these colleges 
who would say, I started out as a metal guitarist uh -huh. or jazz guitarist or rock. Most yeah. of the time it was rock and roll. And when you think about how many rock and roll bands and people that you know from either family or friends, a lot of it is a bunch of guys getting together, you know, uh -huh. playing in a, uh, in a just rock and roll in their garage. Mm -hmm. And then they tend to go, I really want to do this, but what can I do with electric guitar? And they said, oh, there's this classical guitar stuff at this yeah. school. I can sign yeah. up for this. I wonder what this is. And then they end up signing up for classical guitar lessons. Well, that's, that's an interesting theory on like why it might be sort of male-dominated. is yes. because, because of where classical guitarists come from. Yes. They're, sort of, they're sort of coming out of these other kinds of yes. music that kind of have a little bit of machismo thing yes. going on. Yes. And that women aren't Usually kind of typically... Of part of yeah. and and so when you're pulling from that pool right into the classical guitar pool exactly. it just happens to be right. dudes right and, but that's and changing. ladies like carrie brownstein and slater kinney <laughs> who are making a comeback people <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and i think that. we are our new generation of of, of guitarists is going to be much stronger in and the equality of of gender um, and you know the differences between male and women. I think eventually, I think we'll probably equal out. Uh -huh. And it, it's not about it's not about let's be PC and equal things out. It's not about that. It's about forgetting that oh this is a guy instrument or this is a girl instrument. It's more about not even noticing like hey there's just guitarists. Well, and that's I, it. I, and I hope that that is encouraging for any young ladies out there listening who might be passionate about music and wondering what instrument that they should play yes that the classical guitar world needs you yes and you should get involved we just need more guitarists period <laughs> yeah that's what it sounds like really ultimately we're just bringing you the light side <laughs> yeah <laughs> to the right. dark side um well valerie hartzell we really appreciate you being on the show for well, thank a second you for time having me. you're crazy busy <laughs> flying back to the England yes tomorrow. on tomorrow I fly back well we will miss you and hope you come back again I will thank you all right everyone that does it for this episode of classical classroom for more classroom go to classicalclassroomshow.com you can learn scads more about classical guitarists there just search for guitar on the website you can also connect with our social media there you can send us an email and p.s don't forget to subscribe to rate and review the show wherever you listen Thanks to the home of Classical Classroom, King FM, where we like to dance like no one is watching. And it's a good thing they aren't. Thanks to the birthplace of Classical Classroom, Houston Public Media. Thanks to Valerie Hartzell for being on the show. Thanks to the official human-powered transportation supplier of Classical Classroom, Pete's Pedicabs. We pedal while you sit back and feel kind of weird about it. Thanks to me for saying words, but most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time.